where where impossible isn't a thought, right? If you if we make it stupid and it's childlike and we're all thinking in a childlike way, we're yep. we're so much more powerful. By far. By 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 far, by far. It's like it's like trying to argue with a child because they want a lollipop just before dinner. Welcome to the Legacy Roadmap Podcast, your ultimate guide for creating a lasting legacy as an entrepreneur. Whether you're an ambitious entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, our podcast offers insightful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and experts who have navigated the path of legacy creation. We explore topics that matter to you, personal responsibility, financial growth, leadership, and succession planning. Our goal? To equip you with practical insights and strategies that help you transition from simply running your business to building a legacy. Join us each week as we delve into purposeful discussions aimed at positively impacting future generations. Your journey towards leaving a lasting legacy starts right here, right now. Let's dive in. Does your business serve homeowners? If so, you need to know about HOA.com, the number one referral network for professionals who serve homeowners. And we're looking for quality contractors and home service pros that we can recommend and refer to homeowners in your area. Not only will you get promoted on the HOA.com website, you'll get business from other certified pros and premier pros in your market. These people serve homeowners every day, so we help you build referral partnerships that keep referrals coming to your business for years to come. Go to HOA.com slash pro now and get started. Are you an entrepreneur or business owner? If so, you need to know about the Achieve Systems Business Building Membership. We are one of the best referral-based communities that wants to refer you. We help generate you thousands of leads per year. We also provide you an incredible mentorship program that has won many awards. We don't stop there. We have 60 plus opportunities to take your business to the next level, like authoring and publishing books and many, many more. Go to AchieveSystemsPro.com and get started today. Do you want to make more money in your business? Most business owners focus on building revenue. That's not enough. Building profits is what feeds your family, and almost no business owner understands how to build profit without building revenue. I can show you with near-perfect accuracy the exact business growth strategies that will generate the most revenue for your business in the shortest amount of time, focused on building profit. Learn more at bizlife.coach. Do you know anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk? Sent people to see the wreck of the Titanic on the seabed? Closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party? And had... Andrea Bocelli serenade them while they eat their pasta? You do now. Today's guest is Steve Sims. Quoted as the real-life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, Steve Sims is a best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, and Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. He's a sought-after coach, top-rated speaker, keynoting in various networks, groups, and associations, including the Pentagon and Harvard, twice. Steve Sims joins Robert for an interesting conversation about the power of making shit happen. He's a creative genius in asking why not when most people say impossible. Everything is possible if you're willing to ask. In fact, most of the stuff people think is impossible 
is really easy if you start asking and connecting to the right people to ask. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Just looking forward to sharing a wonderful conversation. Fantastic. Glad to be here. All right. So now I've been starting every show just with a discussion a little bit around legacy. So, Steve, what does legacy mean to you? Oh, God, that word. This is where people go. I want to stand for something. I don't care if anyone remembers me, knows my name three seconds after I'm dead. What I care is that people start taking each other seriously. And if I can impact someone to have a knock-on effect of just being kinder, more accepting, and more understanding of the shit that people go through, then that would be legacy for me. I think that's pretty powerful. So that's not a that's not a bad legacy to want to leave. So <laughs> thank you for that. So let's talk about your own entrepreneurial journey. So bricklayer from London, how do you yep. get to where you are now? <laughs> <laughs> um, by making shit tons of mistakes. Um, I was um, I was a bricklayer in London uh, back in the nineties, uh, the late eighties, and the early nineties, and like all entrepreneurs we just know when something's not right and nine times out of 10, we get aggravated by it. You know, most, most stuff has been invented. I remember Elon Musk was aggravated that it took six days to wire money from one U S bank to another U S bank. Why the hell were they sitting on the cash for four to five days? Um, he invented PayPal because he was aggravated enough to do something about it. Now we've got Venmo, Zillow and everything else. Um, so sorry, Zell, <laughs> so I was aggravated that here I am growing up and I'm now a bricklayer. And my big question was, is this it? Now, I didn't have Instagram or any of these social platforms to tell anyone how inadequate my life was. I just had this inherent feeling that something wasn't right and there was something more for me. And, you know, I'm a simple math guy. Two and two make four. I don't care what you say, it does. And so I thought to myself, I need to know rich people. I've had conversations with poor people. They have all my buddies and they know shit. They come up with bad decisions. They come up with bad schemes. I need to speak to rich people to go, hey, how did you become rich? What do you look at? So I wanted to basically podcast people before podcasting came along. Um so in the 80s and the 90s, I literally, just as a rough-ass bricklayer, tried to go out to places where affluent people were to quite simply quiz them. And a little funny story was I turned up at this bar one, uh, this uh, Sunday pub, and it was lunchtime. And there was me and my buddies, and we didn't have much money. We had enough money for two beers, and that was it. And we turned up on these motorbikes, and we were just leaving because we, we, we were all broke out of money by now. Um, and this guy pulled up in a new car. And he got out of his car and reached into the back seat, pulled out his jacket. Now, bear in mind, all of my jackets were bloody leather, you know, and he pulls out like this suit jacket and he's getting out of a new car and he's got this suit jacket. It's like going on in slow motion. I could just see him. I'm sure there was some kind of like movie theme tune being played at the same time in my head. And this beautiful woman gets out of the passenger seat. And I thought, shit, that guy's got my life. How? So I ran over to him, and as I'm running at him, I'm like, hey, how come you're rich and I'm not? You've <laughs> never seen a guy get in a car so fast and back up and drive out. And all I wanted to know was, was how, you know? I was curious. 
And I turned around to my buddies who were literally, I remember one of them, and I'm not kidding you, he was on his ass on the floor because he was tearing up, he couldn't stand. And I was like, you know, what's going on? He's like, did, did you see what you look like? The guy was terrified, you know? And I'm like, I just want to know. And he's like, yeah, but the way you delivered the question, he thought you were going to kill him or mug him. Um and I realized there was nothing wrong really with my question, but my deliverability, my deliverance needed work. So I started trying to fine tune the question because I've always been curious. And now that I circle in these kind of circles, everyone that's successful, everyone that's creative, absolutely every single one of them on the planet, regardless of culture, creed, religion, whatever, they're all curious. And there's that, well, why can't I do that? Why not me? Why does it have to work that way? They're all curious to that. And I had that when I was a kid. I realized that me running at you going, how come you're rich and I'm not, was the worst question to ask. And that was a good thing. Because when you know something's bad, then you can make it better, can't you? So then what I started doing was the next time I saw a rich person, I'd, I'd walk up to them and, you know, not run up them. And I'd, I'd walk up and I'd be like, hey, um, you know, you look as though you got your shit together. How come you're, you're, you're wealthy and I'm not? And again, my, my deliverance still needed work, but it was the difference between rich and wealthy that started to change the response. And as my old buddy Jay Abraham says, you know, you want a fantastic answer, ask a fantastic question. And by me asking about how come you're rich, People think of it in monetary, don't they? They think of a dollar sign. When I ask you how wealthy you are, well, now I'm getting answers like, well, you know, I found God and, you know, I, I, I met my childhood sweetheart and we got married and we had 13 kids and, you know, we now adopt one-legged penguins and that's how I live my life. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to join your church or marry your wife, so this isn't helping me. So then the next time I ask the question, I tweaked it one more time. How come you're successful and I'm not? And that was getting me the answer I wanted. And here's the thing. Even today, when I take on new clients that are wealthy and very successful, now my question, again, has been slightly tweaked. I will literally speak to people and I go, hey, how come you're successful when so many other people are not? Or how come you're successful when so many others in your industry are not? And I would I don't have to include myself in that now because quite simply, every time I've spoken to someone and they've gone, well, I did this, 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 and this, only an utter moron armed with that information would then ignore it. So I would take that information as a stupid as I look, I'm not stupid enough to just ignore it. So I would then action it. The results being I became more successful. So you know, that was it in a nutshell. My curiosity, my inherent, I suppose, greed for knowledge and understanding. Um, and it, it, it was a real violent undercurrent in me. It wasn't just a, oh, this would be nice to know. I was violently needing the answer to these questions. Why you? How come not me? I needed answers to those. And I went out on a a very funny journey to get those answers, working in some terrible jobs, working on the door of a nightclub to ending up, um, we can go into value proposition, but ending up launching the world's most successful concierge firm 
for billionaires. Uh, I did take on some millionaires, but I found billionaires had more money, so I preferred them. Um, and and that was nicer. Yeah. Do you know, I, I noticed years ago that um, your bank account doesn't make you any less of a prick. So um, <laughs> I was, I, I learned one of my lessons very, very early on that uh, take on the client, not take on that checkbook. Um, oh. But if I like the client and I like the checkbook, then I'm okay. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your concierge service because I think you have a unique gift <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to say it in terms I understand you don't give a shit what other people think about you. And so you're willing to ask for just about anything. And as a concierge service, that's a pretty powerful gift <laughs> to have. So here's, here's how I got into it because for, for one, you know, <sighs> If you ask me, do I like people? I like dogs. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, every problem in the planet has has been has been started and multiplied and amplified by people. Um, and as Ricky Gervais says, the average person is just freaking stupid. Um, so you know, I just that's my that's my thought of humanity. Um, so I'm not a great people person. I am terrible at networking. Um, but I want to correct a statement you just made and then give you my answer you said i don't give a shit that's a lie i actually care immensely but i don't care to waste my time with people that aren't going to action it so most of the people i'm talking to and here's the sad thing probably about 50 percent of your audience are going to do nothing with this you know they're going to listen to it laugh probably not understand what i'm saying because i've got that funny accent and do nothing with it but i dare you if you did just one thing with any of the nuggets that are being launched here and will be launched during the show, what would it do to your life? So I actually care a lot. I'm just very selfish with my time. And so it will appear as though, oh, look at him. He doesn't want to talk to that person because I don't believe that person is going to action anything. But I will spend an immense amount of time over here where someone needs that help and he's going to do something with it. So I'm very, very focused on where I spend my time. That's the one thing. Um, as I was a doorman of a nightclub, uh, I needed an excuse to get in front of rich people. Now, as the doorman of the nightclub, I knew where all the clubs were. I knew where all the parties were. I knew where all the premieres were going to be. So I could start flirting with the affluent people in the club going, hey, are you going to that movie premiere? Are you going to the launch of that car? And I would get them in because I knew that if I gave you something, you were almost kind of beholden to me to give something to me. And I learned very, very early on to charge. A lot of people are very scared to charge for things. And I'll be like, hey, I can get you into this party, but I'm going to have to slip the guy a few bucks. So it's 500 bucks each. Now, if you could create a value and charge them, and I've always said, if, if they don't pay, they don't pay attention. But if you give something away for free, that's what it will eternally be valued at. Even if I charge you $500 and I give you a 10 grand ticket, you'll value it as a 10 grand ticket. You won't value it at the money that it was paid for. So there is a different concept when you actually have to put, you know, skin in the game kind of thing. But now that I've got your attention, now that I've got you learning to pay me, and now I've given you an experience that you didn't know about, you weren't being introduced to, and now I've got you into, 
I've now got you engagement and your loyalty. So I can now go up to you and go, hey, Robert, I'm glad you enjoyed last night. But hey, I've been meaning to ask you, you own a bank. How did that start? And I would mm. start interviewing them. And of course, I didn't want to have a concierge firm. And the funny thing is, I think that was probably my secret sauce. <laughs> you see, so many other concierges and, uh, um, I don't know, publicists and PR agents and agents, they want to get into the industry because they love that industry. You know, yeah. they want the spotlights. They want the celebrities. They want the red carpets. I hate red carpets. I hate attention. Don't point a camera at me. I don't care. I'm not going to smile just because you call my name. So I didn't want any of that. So I didn't care. So when I was talking to someone, I'd be like, hey, um, I know you've got this event going on, but I've got three clients who would like to come to this event. And then I would try to work a win and a value that would make you have my client. The second I met with, would well, you know how, how wonderful this event is? I could literally respond with, do you know, it probably is. I know nothing about your event. <laughs> um, I don't care. And I hope it stays for many, many years. But I'm just about to introduce you to three people that absolutely do. And when they're met with that, they can't they can't flounce me. They can't ego me, you know, because I really don't give a shit. I care <laughs> about making sure my clients are in that seat. And I'd have people going, oh, they can't be sitting there. Why can't they be sitting there? Do you know who I am? Nope. Do you know who I am? And they'd be like, no. Well, there you go. So we're even. Now my clients can sit there. And a lot of people, they actually get, and this is a horrible way, but they get intimidated by bluntness. And I think bluntness is also another word for clarity. You know, if you call it as you see it, you tell it as it is, and a spade's a spade, it's crystal clear, and it doesn't leave anything open for confusion. Along the way, I ended up, by accident, um, building the largest concierge firm where these people that had smoke blown up their ass forever were now dealing with me sitting in the corner just chugging back in old fashion. And if they told a joke that wasn't funny, I'd be like, try again. That sucked. Um, and they weren't getting those kind of conversations. And I thought at the time how sad that is that because someone's got money, you inherently think that they're smarter, sharper, wiser, and more mm. educated than you. When nine times out of 10, they're brilliant at one thing, but maybe be absolutely useless on everything else. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you need an increase in revenue? We help business owners find 100K in 90 days and create a roadmap for implementation. There's no pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit ownitcall.com and select a time that works for you. It's time for you to focus on doubling the 20% that creates 80% of your revenue. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Oh, so powerful. And and it it really goes back to your incessant curiosity. Always. Because you were willing to ask, why can't they sit there? Why won't yep. this work? Why couldn't uh -huh. we do this? Why couldn't they play on stage with somebody famous? Why couldn't they? Because you didn't you didn't have any skin in the game and that curiosity just made sense to you. Like it, yep. it seems like it's just a natural part of Steve. Why not? I, I think that was it. Um, and it wasn't, 
I always, I've always told people that the business I was in was a Trojan horse. You know, I would go in under one, one idea concept and, you know, come out of the belly on another. My goal, my entire occupation was to, to surround myself with the right kind of people. And that needs to be done today by you, by you, the listener. In fact, here's the challenge for anyone listening to this. What's your coffee table like? And you need to ask yourself that. If you've got an idea, if something's going wrong, if you're trying to think of a new business, if you're in business and you've got problems with the business, those people in your bar, your wine bar, your, your coffee table, your whatever, how supportive are they? Hmm. And that's one of the biggest problems we've got today. I'm a great believer that we need to, for us to grow, I, you know, I, I can fight someone, okay? And I can fight someone and I may win. But when there's 20 of me, hey, I can take over a village. So when you've got solid people around you, you can conquer anything. You've got a tax bill. You've got a, a, a scalability problem. You've got a copyright issue. You've got a, a growth and an expansion concept idea. When you've got people around you that can challenge you, then you have no limitations. But today, and this was probably the onus of the book. Um, I wrote a book called Go For Stupid. I'm sure we'll probably end up talking about that. But today... We're actually scared of going for things because today it's almost like a society of whack-a-mole. We don't want to stick our head out too much because we, we're going to cut it down. Everyone wants to stand out as someone spectacular, but in order to stand out, what do we do? The first thing we do, we, we fit in. You can't stand out by fitting in. You've got to go against the grain. You've got to go against the tide. But the second you start going against the tide... I call them the normies. All the normal people out there, the normies, they're going, hey, what are you doing? It's black T-shirt day, but you're wearing a pink T-shirt. And they ridicule. And social networks have taught us we can ridicule, we can throw hate, we can speak stupid and have zero consequences. Oh, yeah. Now, me and you come before a time when Google was invented. And if we said something to the wrong person in the pub, then we knew it was the wrong thing because we were probably flat on our back with a punch in our nose, you know? So, but now we've got no repercussions. And how many times do you see people saying things? And as long as their buddy's next to them recording it on a phone, they think they're invincible. Oh. So powerful, and we could definitely go down that road, but I'd rather go down the more positive road and and talk. I, your first book shares the journey of your concierge service and some of the great things that you accomplished there. So I, I want to mention your first book just just so that people can find it or or hear about it and and be interested in it. But then, of course, definitely want to talk about Go for Stupid because that's perfect in my world. Well, Blue Fishing was uh, an, an accident book, and we only want to talk about positivity. Um, Robert, I think you're great to only want to talk about, but we've got to recognize what the problem is to make sure that we can fix it. Absolutely. Um, and blue fishing was quite honestly, the chance of me writing a book. And I thought to myself, I've never written a book to be honest with you. I hadn't even read many of them either. Um, <laughs> and then I got the chance to write a book and I got paid disgustingly to write it. So I went, yeah, why not? And I wrote it. 
And I thought, well, that's it. It's out. No one's going to buy it. I was wrong. <laughs> it became a bestseller in, I think, nine different languages, obviously including uh, British. Um, and uh, it, it got bestseller status all over the planet. People were asking me to coach them, teach them, train them, speak all over the world. Um, and it, it launched me um, as, as this personal brand. And from someone that was happy to kind of like just stay in the background, all of a sudden, people are like, you've worked with Elton John. You, you've worked with Elon Musk. You've worked with the Vatican. You know, how did you do that? And I'll be like, well, I, I did this and I did this. And I'll be like, wow. And I'll be like, hang on a minute. I That was simple stuff. And the funny thing today is we're always looking for that $10,000 pill. You know, we know if we want to be slimmer, eat less, go to the gym. Whoa, what? I, I, I know, I know. But... We would love to be able to buy a tablet, which means that we can avoid doing any of that, wouldn't we? So we'll start scouring the internet, picking up any kind of like chemical to throw in our body or any kind of newfangled diet or any kind of book, rather than do the work. And the work is what's got to be done. All of the, the aspects, all of the rewards, you know, getting richer, getting smarter, getting slimmer, these are all repercussions. These are all the rewards for putting the work in over here. Um, and so that's what happened. The first book came out. I didn't expect it to be anything special. It did. Um, and that, that book came out, God, I think it was like seven years ago. Um, and it's, it's still being sold, still being talked about. In fact, funny enough, I got a, a speaking gig in uh, Venice, Italy this year. And they were like, oh, you know, we've read your book. We'd love you to um, you know, come and speak at our event in Venice, Italy. And I was like, oh, great, brilliant, you know, pay me lots and I'll be there. Um, and they did. And when I got there, I thought it was my new book they had read, <laughs> but they had only just found the one from seven years ago. So when I turned up and I said, oh, do you want me to sign the book? They all had my old book. And when I said, well, oh, I thought it was, in, they had no clue. So it's kind of funny how books just, just kind of like work their own circles and their own magic, but that was the bluefish in the art of making things happen. Yeah, love that. So let's talk about the new book and and the fact that you're giving it away. Yeah, um, well, two things happened. You know, as you've already worked out, I'm, I'm a materialistic pig. I like to make money out of things. Um, so it got released last October uh, on the seven-year anniversary of um, uh, uh, bluefishing. It became bestseller, I think, in like three hours. So tick, great, brilliant, done that, sold a whole bunch of copies. Um, and I was happy. But then I thought to myself, a lot of people look for excuses. And maybe even spending $16 on a book may be an excuse. Maybe they don't have $16. You know, maybe they're trying to climb, make ends meet and I, whatever. Okay. Maybe they've never heard of me. And that's fine. I don't care. I'm not looking for fame. So I thought to myself, I'm going to record it on an audio because people loved blue fishing when it came out as an audio. I hated it. And I hated it because anyone that's ever done it, have you, have you done an audio book? I have. Yes. They stick you in a little room, don't they? And it's horrible. Um, and I, I spent two days in this horrible little room. And the first day I turned up, I had cargo pants on and they sent me back home because they could hear my cargo pants rustling. And I was like, Oh my God. sake. So, um, 
and I hated being in this room with really bad air conditioning stuff. So, and I'm in Hollywood, but you know, I, I just hated it. So this year I thought I've got to do, actually this was a year and a half ago. I've got to do something different for my own sanity. So this time they set me up in a studio and I did a video of the book. Now they were able to pull the audio so that there's an audio version out there, but now I've got the video assets. So we let the book kind of like slide around for a year and then go for stupid.com. You can actually get all 12 chapters, the whole video book for free. And a friend of mine said that if you put it at one and a half times, you can watch all the videos or have me read the entire book to you in two hours. So uh, we wanted everyone to get it. We wanted everyone to do something with it. And we wanted people to change. So here's my challenge. Don't get it. If you're already of the mindset that you're not willing to do the work. But if you do think there's a problem out there and you're prepared to be the solution, then visit goforstupid.com, get a free book. There's no course, there's no t-shirt you're gonna be, there's no hair products I'm gonna follow up with you on. <laughs> Just do something different with the information you get from that book. Well, clearly you and I are using the same hair products because we have the just. same results. So <laughs> so let's talk what let's talk about the premise of Go for Stupid because I think the people listening may not have picked up on uh, you, the things that you did in, in blue fishing that that made your business successful mm. is really the premise of, or the groundwork in go for, go for stupid that you want to help people understand. It is go for big, go for extreme, go for go for stupid. Well, here's the thing: we used to so let's let's help the people that don't understand, you know, don't know who I am, and, and why would you? Um, <clears throat> I had a client that wanted to play drums with Guns N' Roses. I've had another client that wanted to sing on stage with that favorite rock band. I had a client that wanted to uh, play piano with Elton John. All of those things we did plus more. And what used to happen was we became almost like the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with really big checkbooks. In fact, Forbes magazine actually called me the real-life Wizard of Oz, which is what a lot of people still know me as. So I've worked with everyone from, from Richard Branson to Elon Musk, you know, just and probably the most powerful people in the planet that you've never heard of, you know, have been my clients. So this happened, and along the way, they would come to us, and I'll give an example they would come to us and they go, hey, I'd like to do this. Now, if you give a client what they asks for, they ask for, that's called a transaction. It doesn't make you unique. It just means that you've just completed the order request. Okay, hey, I want, I want a hamburger. Here you go. That's it. That's the end of the relationship. But if you can surpass what the client's expectations are and challenge them to think bigger, then all of a sudden you're bringing something into a relationship that they didn't expect. I had a client contact me and he said, I want to have the most amazing dining experience in Florence, Italy. So I actually thought, well, okay, fair enough. We ended up taking over the Academia Galleria, which is the famous museum in, in Florence that houses Michelangelo's David. Nine o'clock at night with the museum completely empty, we set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David 
They had this amazing dining experience. There was a string quartet. There was a pianist. And halfway through their main course, I brought in Andrea Bocelli to serenade them. <laughs> now, that was an incredible night, okay, that was just layer after layer after layer of I didn't know this was going to happen. I thought I was going to be in a restaurant. I didn't know I'd be in a museum. I didn't know I'd have a string quartet. I didn't know I'd be at the feet of David. Oh, my God, Andre Bocelli serenaded me. So it was layer on layer of exceeding the expectations. But here's the thing. Most people stop at impossible. And they stop when they fight it. And what happens is they go, hey, I'm going to break through the impossible. I'm going to make the impossible possible. Impossible stands for I am possible. All of that is very rigid, gritty, isn't it? You know, you're almost like I'm going into war. You're very angry. You're very kind of, oh, it's impossible. And you're all riled up. We discovered something years ago, and the title of the book, Go for Stupid, came from our concierge firm back in like the early 2000s. People would say to us, hey, I want to do this. And we'd be like, okay, we've got your request. And we would sit around the table and we'd go, how can we make this stupid? <laughs> and that's what we used to do. And do you know the first thing, and I'm going to challenge you, Robert, do you know the first thing that would happen every time we said that? Any idea? No. Exactly what you just did. You laugh. Okay? Because it's funny. Because here's the thing. If I say to you, hey, let's go out tonight and we're going to have a fine wine and we're going to have a steak dinner and we'll have cigars and stuff. That's all very nice. If I say to you, hey, let's go out tonight. Let's, let's go and be stupid. You know? You can't help but smile and you become a child. And a child is curious. And curiosity breeds creativity. Mm. So now someone's going, hey, I want to do this. And we go, I hear you. You sit around the table. You go, right, how can we make this stupid? Everyone laughs and giggles. They've all got a smile on the face. And they all come up with stupid ideas and concepts, all right? Which some of them are just unbelievably mad, okay? <laughs> but when you're out there so far and you reel it back into something that can actually be done, you're still 30,000 miles away from the original request, and you're now giving them something that they never could have conceived because you were dead to create. Mm. When you say the word impossible, you become very stern. You become very, um, you know, ranting, and you become very kind of riotous, and, oh, my God, we're going to march in a war because we're going to get the impossible done. And then, of course, you've already called it impossible. The second you say it's impossible, you've already lost, you know? Mm. But if you look at yourself and, and say, hey, I'm going to go for stupid. What's my earnings this year? Oh, that's great. Uh, next year's earnings, well, okay, what, what would be a stupid earning goal? And you do like that. You know, hey, I'm going, I'm going on holiday this year. What would be a really stupid uh, holiday for me? You know, what would be a really stupid proposal for the amount of clients I could take on? Will be a really stupid concept for me to franchise. When you start looking at stupid things, you become a childly creative person and you allow yourselves to create. And today, 
That's one of the biggest problems we have. And in the entire book, it goes through examples of how Henry Ford and how Steve Jobs and how I and Elon Musk have done things by daring to be different, by going for stupid, making sure you've got the right room around you, identifying your standards and not living by others, and actually daring to stand out by standing up. And that's the whole concept. Steve, it's so powerful. And obviously just the childlike curiosity where, where impossible isn't a thought, right? If you, if we make it stupid and it's childlike and we're all thinking in a childlike way, we're, yep. we're so much more powerful. By far, by, by, by far, by far. It's like, it's like trying to argue with a child because they want a lollipop just before dinner. You, you, you just, you just can't, can you? Okay. <laughs> And and you imagine as an adult, armed with the knowledge you've got, that also is unarguable. And here's the dumb thing. When you dare to actually challenge yourself to ask and you ask for the things that you want, you strangely get them. <laughs> it's weird. But some of the things that I've pulled off, I've literally thought to myself a few days later, I don't know how that came off. And there's a brilliant story in the Go for Stupid, which, you know, as I say you can watch it for free which examines that in, in in its entirety. So you've got to dare yourself to think outside of the box. Don't live your life by everyone else's parameters and lanes. Oh, Steve, this is so fantastic. I We could probably talk for another hour or so, but I want to honor our guests, our, our listeners' time. And we end every episode with a guest sharing their words of wisdom, Steve. So what would you share? Wow. Um, my dad. I'll give honor to my dad, um, passed away, but quite simply a thick-headed bricklayer. He said to me one day, which was like really weird for him to say it, but he, he said to me, son, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. <laughs> and that's always stuck with me. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fantastic. I'm honored to have had you on the show. Cheers, buddy. Look after yourself. Thank you for tuning into this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. These aren't just buzzwords, they're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful six or seven figure business. To support you on this journey, we're offering one of our most popular books, Fish Out Leads In, 52 Fresh Ideas for Lead Generation. You can download it free at enjoybizlife.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, and leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Jordan Rayner and Robert talk about faith and work, the value of work. We also discuss Jordan's upcoming book, The Sacredness of Secular Work. Jordan's newest book really elevates work. God worked and he created us to work. Work is honorable and kingdom building. We also talk a little bit about his book called The Create, which helps artists and entrepreneurs believe that they were called to create as God was the first creator. <laughs>